this morning. I'm reading from the book of Genesis. If you'd like to stand, you're welcome to stand, but you don't necessarily have to do that. But from the book of Genesis, we're going to read uh, from the 25th chapter of the book of Genesis. And we will read from the 29th verse. Genesis chapter 25 and verse 29. I'm reading from the King James Version. It says this, Jacob sawed pottage and Esau came from the field and he was faint. Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage. For I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what shall profit the birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him and sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. I just want to talk for a few moments this morning on the beauty of a birthright. The beauty of a birthright. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give you praise today for your goodness. We give you praise for your generosity to us. We need your anointing, Lord, in this place. You are indeed the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are indeed the great I am. You are indeed the one who is here to heal and to save to the uttermost. Lord, from all walks of life, we come to this place to hear a word from your mouth. Oh, God, speak to our hearts and give us strength and salvation, for you are our light. And our everlasting portion. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning on the inheritance that the Lord has set for his people. It is no small thing, this inheritance of God. The Bible refers to the inheritance of God as being the inheritance of him in the inheritance of the saints in light. This inheritance that God gives unto us is not something that we should take for granted. It is a glorious inheritance. The Bible refers to it as riches. It speaks to us saying that it is the riches of our inheritance. Scripture teaches us that there is a glory of this inheritance. As a matter of fact, the Bible refers to it as a reward. It is a reward. It is riches. It is glory. One place the Bible tells us that the inheritance that we have is so much better than the angels. We look at angels and think they've got it made. We look at angels and think that angels have some sort of, of 
receiving that they have done of God, receiving of his great power, something that we could never fully comprehend. But the Bible teaches us that the angels look at what we have and they desire to look into the inheritance that the church possesses. One place the Bible refers to the inheritance that Jesus has as having a more excellent name, a name that is above every name. Now, it's important for us to understand where this inheritance came from. This inheritance comes from the Lord. It does not come from the world. It does not come from your natural mother or your natural father, but it comes from your heavenly father. This inheritance, in one place, as I mentioned, refers to the inheritance of the saints in light. We we have to understand what that's really saying when it says that the inheritance of the saints is in light. It means there is no darkness. This inheritance that we have is an inheritance that includes no darkness. There is no sin in this inheritance. There is no corrupting nature in this inheritance. There is no violence. There is no death. There is no sickness. No sorrow, no sadness, no sighing. There is nothing in this inheritance that bears any resemblance to any of your fears. All doubt is vanquished in this inheritance. All worry, all anxiety, all depression is vanquished in the inheritance that I am talking to you about today. This is something that has come from the good graces of Almighty God. Let me tell you how generous the Lord is. Every good and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let me tell you how generous God is. It is the Father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. It is something that he desires to give unto you and I. The kingdom of God. A place where roses blossom in the desert. A place where the wilderness and the solitary place break out with singing. It is the inheritance of the Most High God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. And it is God's desire, it is God's design to give unto us. Now, the wages of sin, the wages of sin is death. I'm going to tell you that the wages of sin is death. And we're going to talk a little bit about the liar that the, that the devil is. And we're going to talk a little bit about the deception that the devil brings. Because what he'll try to do is he'll try to convince you and I that there's nothing really special about this birthright. 
he'll try to tell us that, that this is not really all that it's made out to be. I mean, how can you know for sure? You've heard that before. Have you ever seen it? Have you ever heard it? As a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you, I hath not seen, and ear hath not heard. In fact, it's never even entered into the heart of man, much less the mouth of a man that he could ever describe it adequately. All that God has prepared for his people. In fact, it doth not even yet appear what we shall be. But when he shall appear, we shall be like him. I want you to know that regardless, listen to the inheritance that I'm talking about. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I don't know how long it's going to be before the Lord returns. Jesus could come back today. He could come back a week from today. He could come back a decade from today or longer than that. We don't know when Jesus will come back. I, I, if you're like me, you're saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because uh, I'm just ready for Jesus to come back. And believe me, young people, it's better than having your driver's license. Don't let anything hold you back from hoping, wanting, desiring, craving, and loving the appearance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a glorious inheritance. It's a glorious inheritance. It's a glorious inheritance. Hallelujah. And, and so, but I don't know how long I'm going to live. I don't know if I'll reach a ripe old age of whatever. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to look like when I get to that point. I don't know how well I'll walk. I don't know if my body will have been ravaged by disease up to that point and barely surviving or not surviving. I don't know. I just don't know. But what I do know is that when he shall appear, I shall be like him. And it doesn't matter if I've got a limp in my leg. And it doesn't matter if I've got a slowness of tongue. And it doesn't matter if my, if my arms and legs aren't working or if my eyes can't see or if my ears aren't hearing properly. When he shall appear, this mortal shall put on an immortal body. <laughs> Glory to God. You say, how old will I be in eternity? You'll be like Jesus in his resurrected body. Glory! I believe that's why he died when he died. I believe he reached the prime of life. I, reached, I believe he reached the optimal moment of life that this earth could afford. Reaching an age of 33 and a half years where mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual faculties all culminate into the prime of life and then it was time to die and be buried and be raised from the dead and I'm going to tell you something when we reach that golden strand there's not going to be any limping in that city when we reach that golden strand there's not going to be any blindness in that city when we reach that golden strand there's not going to be any diabetes in that city there's not going to be any high blood pressure there's not going to be a threat of a stroke or a heart attack and no cancer shall be there and no ravenous beast shall be there Ah. Hallelujah. This is what we inherit. 
it's in the will. It's in the testament. And you know what? The will and the testament are placed into what's called a trust. I'm going to say that again. All the will and all the testament. I'm talking about stuff that says that says that, that we will never grow old. That's in the will. That's in the testament. Stuff that says that, that a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. That's in the will. That's in the testament. Stuff that says that sadness and sighing and darkness shall flee away. That's in the will. That's in the testament. There'll be no night there. That's in the will. That's in the testament. The will and the testament tell me concerning my inheritance that when I walk into that city, I don't have to fear the wolf because the wolf will be laying down with the lamb. It's in the will. But in order for the will to transfer to me, it has to go through a trust. And this is why the Bible says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. I don't know what you're going through, but trust him. Trust him. I don't know what you're facing, but trust in the Lord. When you trust in the Lord, all of the powers, all of the good graces of God transfer from his will. To your life. They transfer from his testament into your life. Hallelujah. This is the legal apparatus that God has in place for us to receive his inheritance. Did you know that God gave this inheritance to man from the beginning? He gave Adam the earth. This is yours. Enjoy it. Relish it. Cherish it. It's beautiful. Have it. Raise your kids in it. Never die. Never die. You don't have to die. And in fact, in fact, there's only one way that death can enter, and that is through sin. So just don't do that. And everything will be fine. And Adam looked at this inheritance that God gave him as beautiful as it was, as promising as it was. But the Bible says that one day his wife Eve and Adam, the Bible says Adam was with her and he did eat. So brethren, before we start giving our wives the evil eye, Eve is in the garden and a serpent. The Bible says the serpent was the most subtle beast of the field. And he came to Eve and he said to Eve, take of this fruit. You can, you can eat of any fruit. Isn't that right? She said, well, almost any fruit except the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, well, the only reason God doesn't want you to eat of that fruit is because he knows when you'll eat of it, you'll become as God's knowing good and evil. And so Eve looked at the fruit saw that it was good for food, saw that it was pleasant to the eye, saw that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise, and she decided to fall to the temptation of the serpent. The serpent convinced her that, 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 that what God had promised them wasn't everything it was cracked up to be. And, and so she, 
She partook of it, and Adam with her, he did eat. They partook of the fruit, and in that moment, there was a legal transaction that occurred. And everything that God had given to them, the earth that God had given to them, they transferred that inheritance over to the serpent, who later became known as the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Do you know that God knew the serpent would try that? And do you know that God knew it was possible for man to fall? So before God did anything, he put into motion a plan to win back what man would give away. And so the Bible says that from the foundation of the world, there was a lamb that was slain. Because once the inheritance is given away, there's only one way to get the inheritance back. And just as death entered the world by the sin of one man, righteousness would have to re-enter the world by the sinlessness of one man. Death came by Adam's sin, but eternal life would come through the last man, Adam's sinlessness. Hallelujah. And so God who gave us this inheritance, God, who gave us this good gift of life, God, who said, let there be light, God, God, who said, hallelujah, divide the light from the darkness, God, who created the trees and the fish and the fowl, God, who created all things, said, I'm going to put myself into the body of a man. And I'm going to walk the earth that I gave to man, but he gave away. And I'm going to overcome the sin that he couldn't overcome. And I'm going to overcome the temptations that he couldn't overcome. I'm going to overcome all of the depression that stalked him, haunted him, taunted him. I'm going to overcome the adversary of his soul. And that's exactly what you see when you see Jesus. Hallelujah. When you see Jesus refusing to commit sin, when you see Jesus refusing, oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm going to tell you something. If you'll believe what I'm preaching, it could save your soul. If you'll believe what I'm preaching to you in the anointing of the Holy Ghost, it could break every chain that the enemy has tried to place around your life. Hey, I know what I'm dealing with this morning. I'm dealing with the world who's lost and in need of salvation. And I've come to preach the hope of your salvation to you. Jesus, Jesus overcame every temptation you couldn't overcome. You and I just flimsily, flailingly stumble and bumble over every little temptation that comes down the pipe. But not Jesus. Jesus refused to buy the pleasures of this world. He refused to buy into the lie that this inheritance isn't beautiful. He refused, even though he was tempted in all points as we are tempted, he refused to think that there was something anywhere more special than what God had promised to man. If only he believed. And so even when he had the chance, he refused to take it. Nevertheless, he said, not my will. Woo. See, you and I can't say that without him. But he said it, not my will. 
See, our will rages. It's what I want to do. And it rages. I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And our will rages. But I've come to tell you about a man who said, not my will, but thy will be done. And he went to a cross reserved for you. He went to a cross reserved for me. He took nails with my name on it. He took a crown of thorns with your habits on it. He took a whip on his back. He took a spear in his side. He went into a tomb that over the epitaph says, here lies Joel Urshan. And every dirty deed that he's ever done. And Jesus lay in that tomb. But he was different than Joel Urshan. And he's different than you. Because unlike you and I, he never committed the sins we committed. And he wasn't worthy of the death he died. So the grave couldn't hold him down. And he came up out of that grave. Victorious, victorious over death, over hell, and over the grave. And has received a name that is above every name. I'm going to tell you, it's above every name. It's above the name of Molech. It's above the name of Baal. It's above the name of Ashtoreth. It's above the name of Dagon. Hallelujah. It's above the name of George Washington. It's above the name of Abraham Lincoln. It's above the name of John F. Kennedy. It's above the name of Martin Luther King. It's above the name of George W. Bush. It's above the name of Barack Obama. It's above the name of Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. There is none other name under heaven given among men. And at that name, every knee shall bow. And at that name, every tongue shall confess. Hallelujah. 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 To your depression, I speak that name, Jesus. To your disease, I speak that name, Jesus. Hallelujah. To your crisis, I speak that name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. We tear down every stronghold in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A resurrected body, a deathless body, a sinless body. Hallelujah. He came up to a, a room, didn't have the key to the door. Doesn't need a key to the door. In that city, he said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. You know what the keys of the kingdom are? There ain't no keys. That's tongue in cheek. Because there are keys to the kingdom. Repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But when I get to that, see, in this natural body, I lose my keys all the time. 
In fact, they're probably out there under one of y'all's feet right now. If you see them, I, I welcome them back. I got to get home sometime today. But when I get to that city, it doesn't matter if I lock my keys in the car. It doesn't matter if I lock my keys in the house. I'll walk through walls. I'll run through a troop, leap over a wall because I'm in, I'm in a different kind of body. I'm not in a body that has limitations anymore. I'm not in a body that stoops over anymore. I'm not in a body that can die anymore. I'm in a resurrected body. I'm in a glorified state. Oh, hallelujah. The inheritance of the saints. The inheritance of the saints. Jesus Christ is the firstborn among many brethren. This means that Jesus Christ receives what the firstborn receives. And there are many brethren who the Bible says we are joint heirs. So in the will and the testament, there is this, there is this, how shall I say it? There is this added document called the Lamb's Book of Life. It's a list of all of the heirs who are joint heirs with Christ. And my name is in there. And your name is in there. And if you don't know if your name is in there, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. It's more than a ritual. It's more than a ceremonial deed. It's being buried with him by baptism into his death. Being planted together with him in the likeness of his death. Being raised with him in the likeness of his resurrection. And so in this Lamb's book of life, everyone who is filled with his spirit, washed in his blood, buried in his name. Hallelujah. Living by faith in Jesus Christ. They're listed as joint heirs with the firstborn. They receive his inheritance. My God in heaven. Do you know how beautiful that is? That's really awesome. No wonder we call it the good news. Hey, I got some bad news and good news. Which one you want first? The bad news is you made a lot of mistakes and you've messed up and you've hurt a lot of people and you've done this wrong, that wrong, that wrong, this wrong, this wrong, that wrong, that wrong. But the good news is he has come to give you life. He has come to give you joy. He has come to give you life. My God, it's a beautiful birthright. It's a beautiful birthright. It's a beautiful birthright. It was in the spirit of this understanding that God taught the children of Israel how to pass on their inheritance to their children. And so the time would come when it was the firstborn who would receive the birthright. He would receive a double portion of what the father had to give. And here's Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn. Do you know how 
how privileged, what a blessing, what a beautiful opportunity. Jacob was desperately trying to keep that from happening. As they were born, he was holding on to Esau's heel, trying to scratch him back down into the womb and climb over him. And Esau came forth from the womb first. He had the birthright. When I tell you the birthright he had, I'm talking about every place you land your foot, I'll give it to you. I'll curse them who curse you. I'll bless them who bless you. Multiply will I multiply you. People, nations will serve you. I will exalt you. You are my beloved jewel. You are everything to me. You are the apple of my eye. This was his birthright. And he was, he was a little bit like, Meh. You know that's a word today. M-E-H. It's how you spell it. Meh. Meh. This generation has a word that describes Esau's feeling and it kind of describes their feeling about what God has promised. Right, right. Nah. Ah, whatever, I've seen better. I've heard that before. I've heard preachers say it. I've, heard, I've seen preachers red in the face yelling it as loud as they can. Ah, whatever, it is what it is. I don't know that it's all that it's, that it's described to be. The Bible says that Esau was a cunning hunter. He was skilled at what he did. He was good at it. And he was so good at it that he had more of an appreciation for his abilities than he did the birthright. And he was going to have a rude awakening one day that it doesn't matter how good you are or whatever you do, the promises of God are better. Esau went out into the field, and he went hunting. This is what he does every day. This is how he eats. Before lunch starts, Esau goes out and gets lunch. And I don't mean goes through a drive-thru. He doesn't call ahead and have it waiting for him. He goes out, and he's so good. It doesn't matter if anybody else is unable to do it. Esau knows he can do it. Well, Esau's different than me because something I've learned at this stage in my life is I can't do anything without the Lord. And the sooner you learn that, the better, my friend. The sooner you learn that, the better for you, the better for your family, the better for your ministry, the better for your peace of mind. I can do nothing without him. Jesus said it. He said, without me, you can do nothing. It is by the grace of God you continue to do as you do. It is the mercy of the Lord that allows you to keep from falling over the cliff of your own arrogance. And Esau was arrogant as he went out as a cunning hunter. And he found his prey typically, but, but not today. Today was a different day. And he realized that as cunning of a hunter as he was, he needed the birthright. He needed the blessing of God. He needed the promises of God in his life. So there was no prey. 
There was probably no P-R-E-Y because there had been no P-R-A-Y before the day started. So Esau goes out, doesn't find what he was looking for. He comes back, and as he's coming back from the field, Jacob has strategically placed a little soup shop, a little soup kitchen, and he's sodding pottage. I don't know what either one of those things are, but he was sodding pottage. And while he's sodding pottage, it's not even porridge. The, I don't know what porridge is, but, but I thought maybe pottage was porridge. I don't know what they are, but he was sodding pottage. And Esau comes in from the field, from the hunt that was unsuccessful. And he says, give me some of that red pottage. And his name was called Edom from that day forth. Esau means basically a man's man. Edom means red. He literally became known for the rest of his life, and so did his descendants, for what he sold his birthright for. He wanted red soup. I want that red soup. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Smells good, looks good. I'll take it. I'm hungry. Jacob said, sure, but uh, it'll cost you. He said, what, I've only got like small bills. He said, I want your birthright. My birthright? Are you serious? Yeah, I want your birthright. He said, well, and listen to this. I am at the point to die. So what profit shall my birthright be to me anyway? I am at the point to die. So what profit shall my birthright be to me anyway? And he began to rationalize, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he was doing. He began to calculate in his mind, do I really need the birthright? Is the birthright all that it's made out to be? Is it as good as they say it is? Because that smells good and that looks good and that feels good and that's what I want and I'll do anything to get it. I mean, I've never even really fully seen the birthright that they're talking about. And so he made a transaction. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you exactly, and we see later in Genesis chapter 27, I'm going to see, tell you one of the rationalizations that Esau came up with on that day that we see manifest later was he said basically to himself, I can afford to give up the birthright because I'll still have the blessing. Don't count on it. Don't you start rationalizing away how precious this is and how easy it is to give up and how, how good how good other things are. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to ask you what my, what my dad would ask me. My dad would say something. He had these little sayings, and, and one of them was, what in the world? Anybody know what I'm talking about? He had another one. He would say, for Pete's sake. Who's Pete? And why are we doing things for his sake? He had another one that was honest to John. Who's John? Are we talking about the disciples? Honest to John. I knew they all meant the same thing. Well, honest to John, for Pete's sake, for crying out loud, and what in the world? And it was really serious when he said, what in this world are you doing? What he meant was, what is there in this world that convinced you that this was a good idea? 
I need to ask somebody this morning, what in this world has convinced you that selling out your birthright is a good idea? What in the world? What in the world are you thinking? Jesus is the reason I live. But oh, what a reason. He is the only reason I live. But oh, what a reason. There's nothing in this world worth living for. It only leaves you empty and longing for more. But he's the only reason I live. But oh, what a reason. What in this world would make you wish to sell out the blessing of God? The inheritance of God, the birthright, the double portion. Is it because you've never seen it? Do you think God is a liar? Is that it? Have you stopped believing? Are you one of those believers who don't believe? Can I just preach to you? Are you one of those believers? Oh, I'm a believer. I just don't believe. Then you're not a believer. Believers have one unmistakable, indistinguishable commonality. Believers believe. They believe. They are not of them who draw back under perdition, but they believe to the saving of the soul. They believe. Believe through your crisis. Believe through your trial. Believe through your temptation. Believe through the onslaught of the enemy. Believe. Believe through the sickness. Believe. Come on, somebody. Believe. Believe in his power. Believe in his mercy. Believe in his grace. Believe that he's good. Believe in heaven. Believe in hell. Believe. Believe in the power and the beauty of the birthright. Believe, believe, believe the beauty, the beauty of a birthright. I'm, I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said when he said that Demas hath forsaken me because he loved this present world. Now you imagine that. That's 2,000 years ago. Paul fought a good fight. Paul finished his course. Paul kept the faith. There's laid up for Paul a crown of righteousness. But Demas loved his present world. A world that is in ruins today. You want to go see Demas' world? You can get a tour and they'll take you to the wrecked stone the demolished columns, they'll show you the stuff that's been eaten up over time. Nobody but Bible readers know who Demas is. And they only know him as one who forsook the Lord and loved this present world. 
I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody's going to know who you are or I am a hundred years from now or even half a century from now or even a couple decades from now. Maybe your children and your grandchildren might say a couple good things. Hopefully, they have all their digital pictures saved on their camera. And, and, and hopefully, the camera gets kept reserved plenty well because there's nothing, not a shred, not a little bit of your memory that's going to be left on this earth. There is an inheritance. There's a birthright if you want it. I said, there's a birthright if you want it where you don't have to die, where you don't have to fade with time. Oh, hallelujah. Life is but a vapor. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Brother Ken Wilson, you knew my grandfather. Great man. Great man. The most iconic, legendary figure for me. He ministered to presidents, world leaders. He rescued people from Soviet, U.S. embassies in the Soviet Union. He was remarkable. He, he witnessed to Walter Payton, Wilt Chamberlain, Norman Vincent Peale. He was pretty awesome. But, but you only know that if I tell you. Because what he did on this earth will fade as it has already begun to do. He was so great to me. He'll always be so great to me. And I'll tell my girls and I'll tell them to tell their children and to tell their children and their children's friends. But what he did on this earth has already begun to be swept away with the sands of time but what he placed in heaven it's as rich and as rewarding and as glorious as it will ever be and ever was and the bible says that we have an inheritance that is undefiled that is kept in store reserved in heaven for us glory to god glory to god let me tell you something. I thank God for what they passed to me as a birthright. And, and urchins aren't real good at a lot of things. And you'll find that out if you ask me to come do some handyman work. But I'll tell you what they did give me, I'll cherish for all of eternity. <laughs> come on somebody I don't care what it is it's not worth it I don't care how good it looks it's not worth it I don't care how good it feels it's not worth it it's not worth it you better build your hope on things eternal you better plant your feet and lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust won't corrupt where thieves can't break through and steal come on somebody lift your hands to heaven right now Come on, that's it. Lift your hands to heaven right now. Come on, that's it. Lift your hands to heaven right now. Glory to the name of God. Glory to the name of God. Glory to the name of God. Come on, that's it. If somebody knows that what I'm saying is true, could you just begin to give him an eternal praise right now? Can you just give him an eternal praise right now? 
You can stand with me. You can stand with me. I want to, I want to mention this to you. Have you ever heard of the Edomites? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the Edomites. The Edomites are Esau's children. They are the great-great-grandchildren of Abraham. The great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren of Abraham. The Edomites. We don't know who they are, where they are today. Have you ever heard of the Israelites? The Edomites are named after a decision their great ancestor made. The day that he ate the red soup, whatever that was. And they are called red. Edom, 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 Edom. The Edomites. They are forever named after their great ancestors' indiscretion. But the Israelites are forever named after their great ancestor who was not a perfect man. But he made one decision that affected everyone who followed after him. And it was this. I will not let go until you bless me. I don't know what you're going through, but I am imploring you in the Holy Ghost. Don't let go. It's not worth letting go. And do you know what Israel means? Israel means a prince who has prevailed with God and with man. And to this day, you can go find the Israelites. And there are nuclear missiles aimed at them. And there are terrorist networks organized all throughout the world with their number one mission to destroy them. And the Israelites are throwing frisbees on the Mediterranean shore right now. Drinking tea outside a coffee shop saying... Blow us away if you want, but the Lord is our shield, and the Lord is our buckler, and he will fight for us. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter to me how hot the battle gets. I'm going to hang on. Hang on for dear life. I'm not letting go because I've got children and I've got grandchildren coming and great-grandchildren if the Lord tarries, and I want them to be Israelites. I want them to be princes and princesses who refuse to quit, who hang on because there's a birthright. There's an inheritance. There's an undefiled glory. I want somebody who's in the middle of the worst fight of your life. I want you to grab a hold of the horns of the altar and refuse to let go. Tossed and driven, yes, but refuse to let go. Lift up your hands one more time. Jesus, oh, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need some ministers, if you will, to go ahead and come forward. I need some ministers to come because they're folks who need to touch God right now. Thank you, brethren. I need some more. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Now I need some folks to come right now who need prayer. These ministers are standing ready to pray with you. Come. In the name of Jesus. Come in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
You're holding on, hanging on. You're in the fight of your life. That's it. God bless you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. The Lord has a blessing for you. The Lord has a blessing for you. With my Jesus, I shall see. When 